0: The Lord be with you
1: and also with you.
0: Lift up your hearts where the dawn of the east meets the twilight of the west, and the cool of the north touches the calm of the south, and the transcendent power of God touches earth in the humility and love of Christ. Here and now, where the head of the Charles reaches out to the heart of the country, we gather for ordered worship. The liturgy, music, and homily are offered this day in the praise of God for our congregation here in Marsh Chapel, for our radio congregation across New England at WBUR 90.9 FM, and for our internet listenership, now and later around the globe at WBUR.org. We welcome your prayerful and material support, your written or emailed responses, your self-selection of forms of ministry and service in our midst, and as the Spirit moves, your presence with us here come Sunday morning. On this wonderful Sunday, when year by year, we remember the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, Junior, it is our personal joy and privilege to welcome to our pulpit Mr. Christopher Edwards, friend, colleague, Attorney General's Office Leader in the Garden State of New Jersey, Marsh Chapel Advisory Board member, graduate of Harvard University, and of Pace University, where he serves as a trustee and as the chair of their Student Life Committee. We also, and equally so, welcome his lovely wife, Latoya, their three children, all of whom were baptized here, their family and friends, mother and uncle, and Reggie, his brother, and all. There was a time not many years ago when you could find the Edwards family in the southeast quadrant of the Marsh Chapel on Sunday morning, singing the hymns of faith, praying with the community, and gathering together. Welcome, Christopher. He brings us a personal and strong biblical theme today, a radicalized love. This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. As we are able, may we stand in the praise of God. Please be seated. We begin come Sunday with a moment of confession. Our choir will lead us in the traditional Kyrie eleison, Lord have mercy. As they do so, may we have the courage to look at our hard past experience. Our hard experience, personal, social, individual, collective, as was known and lifted by the poet James Weldon Johnson. God of our weary years, God of our silent tears, thou who hast brought us thus far along the way, thou who hast by thy might led us into the light, give us forever in the path, we pray. Lest our feet stray from the places, O God, where we met thee. Lest our hearts, drunk with the wine of the world, we forget thee. Shadowed beneath thy hand, may we forever stand true to our God, true to our native land. May we pray. Hear good news: If we confess our sins, God, who is faithful and just, will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
2: Thanks be. A lesson from the Book of the Prophet Isaiah, chapter sixty-two, verses one through five. For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not rest, until her vindication shines out like the dawn and her salvation like a burning torch. The nations shall see your vindication, and all the kings your glory. And you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of your God. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no more be termed desolate. But you shall be called my delight is in her, and your land married. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your builder marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.
0: Spirit moves in my heart. I'm gonna sing till the spirit moves in my heart. I'm gonna sing to the spirit moves in my heart. I'm gonna sing till Jesus comes. I'm gonna sing. Oh my Jesus, Jesus, moves in my heart. I'm
3: gonna sing. Oh my Jesus, in my heart. to my Jesus, in my heart. I'm gonna sing. Oh, oh, my, my Jesus, Jesus, till oh, Sing. my Jesus, in my heart. Oh Jesus! Oh my Jesus! Oh my Jesus! Oh my Jesus! Oh
4: A lesson from St. Paul's first epistle to the Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 1 to 11. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were enticed and led astray to idols that could not speak. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking by the Spirit of God ever says, Let Jesus be cursed, and no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts but the same spirit and there are varieties of services but the same lord and there are a variety of activities but it is the same god who activates all of them in everyone to each is given the manifestation of the spirit for the common good to one is given through the spirit the utterance of wisdom and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same spirit to another faith by the same spirit to another gifts of healing by the one spirit To another, the working of miracles, to another, prophecy, to another, the discernment of spirits, to another, various kinds of tongues, to another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are activated by one and the same Spirit, who allots to each one individually, just as the Spirit chooses, the word of the Lord.
5: Please join me in reading responsibly verses from Psalm 36 with the antiphon mm mm-hmm. Your steadfast love, O Lord, extends to the heavens, your faithfulness to the clouds. Your righteousness is like the mighty mountains. Your judgments are like the great deep. You save humans and animals alike, O Lord. How precious is your steadfast love, O God! All people may take refuge in the shadow of your wings. They feast on the abundance of your house, and you give them drink from the river of your delights. For with you is the fountain of life. In your light we see light. O continue your steadfast to, to those who know you, and your salvation to the upright of heart.
6: Gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to St. John, chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Glory to you, O Lord. On the third day, there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine gave out, the mother of Jesus said to him, They have no wine. And Jesus said to her, Jesus did this, the first of his signs, in Cana of Galilee, and revealed his glory, and the disciples believed in him. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ.
1: Good morning, March Chapel. It's good to be home. I'm humbled and honored to come back to Marsh today, my home church. The church where three of my kids were baptized and my nephew Charlie was baptized too. To give today's sermon in honor of the great Dr. King who attended this esteemed university along with his mentor Howard Thurman. And I want to talk to you today about a radicalized love, which I believe is God's challenge to us to love each other. And I want to talk to you about God's grace in the face of these challenges. And finally, I want to talk a little bit about me and how God's love brought me a kid from the Bronx all the way to Marsh Chapel today. And for my mother in the audience, yes, mom, I'm going to testify today. (laughs) The word love and or its roots appear numerous times in the Bible. The word is important and God's message of love is equally important to us. Indeed, when Jesus was asked about the commandments and what were the greatest, he only listed two. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. He said that this is the first and the greatest of the commandments. And the second was, love your neighbor as yourself. And I've read the scriptures from the bulletins over the last few months and I've noted uh, we've seen in the Gospels numerous times uh, where friends and fellows helped each other many times to get to Jesus. One story I think about uh, more critically is from, I believe it's Matthew, and a paralyzed man wanted to get to God and he, or Jesus, and he wanted to be healed, and his friends wanted him be, to be healed. But when they got to Jesus, the crowd was too big, and they couldn't get in. And so they opened up the roof so that his friend, their, friend, his, their friends could be healed. And when Jesus saw what the friends had done, he essentially said, get up, you are healed. It is your friend's faith that has healed you. And by this example, I think the Bible makes clear that love takes action and love takes courage. And at times, it seems like love takes extreme measures and this is what I call a radical love, not a comic book love, not a love of sentimentality, not a love from a distance, not a a estranged love, an antiseptic, I don't want to get my hands dirty love, but instead a love in the face of human frailty, a love in the face of our own limitations, a love in the face of injustice, a love in the face of evil, and more importantly, a love when God is seemingly absent. And when I think of Dr. King, I think about the radical love of the Bible. When I was a younger man, I couldn't understand the power of Dr. King's love or the trust that he had that God would ultimately make things right. My favorite quote from Dr. King is, "'We will overcome because the arc of the moral universe "'bends towards justice.'" And as I've gotten older, I've gained much more of an appreciation for this love. It's a Corinthians love, a love that is patient, a love that is kind, a love that does not keep a record of wrongs, a love that does not delight in evil, but a love that delights in the truth. This Corinthians love is a radical love. And Dr. Kent showed us the radical love with his life. He showed it to us. And I handled the eulogy at the 16th Street Baptist Church for four innocent little girls who were killed. What do you say? What do you say in the face of such evil? But Dr. King didn't get in that pulpit and talk about hate. He did not. Instead, he talked about love. He talked about action. He talked about justice. He talked about courage. And some won't say, that's Dr. King, he was great. But let's not forget, Dr. King was human. There's an idea that we have that we love to gloss over our heroes, but the issues Dr. King faced were real. When he gave his sermons, when he worked for justice, he was a man who some people wanted to kill and ultimately did. He had a family. I often think he had little kids as he was going out searching for justice. And when Dr. King wrote his letter from the Birmingham jail, this is important. There were no expectations of how things would play out. It was probably imaginable that we would have an African-American president who would win two elections with partly the majority of the white vote and actually pick up a Southern state. In fact, if you were an objective person in Dr. King's time and you were a betting man, you would think that such a presidency was an impossibility. But here's when Dr. King was great. He understood God's grace. There goes that arc of the moral universe again. Dr. King understood that God is in partnership with us, and he calls us to act. And he took that action always with the Corinthian love. When blacks were asked to sit at the back of the bus, when blacks couldn't eat at lunch counters with whites, and when they were getting harmed in holes and had dogs sick on them. Dr. King never said, let's use our weapon of hate. He never said, maybe we should engage in guerrilla warfare. He never said, teach our kids hate. No, he didn't. In response to the hate, he said to judge a man by the content of his character and not the color of his skin. And that, that's a radical love. How many of us could say this to an enemy who hurts us and hurts our children and has denied us the right of employment and has broken our dreams? We've heard of the dream deferred, all for no reason, not many of us. And this is why Dr. King was great, because he ultimately saw that God will make things right, that the moral universe always, always tracks for justice, and that even when it seems dark, God is always on the scene, and justice will prevail. That Jesus our Christ, the new covenant, our Savior, was born in a manger. That before he had risen, he had to suffer and die. Death could only hold him, but so long. And I'm sure at the time when death held him, there was fear and trembling and concern that the covenant was lost, but it never is. And I'm sure before God showed up at the end of Job. Maybe he even thought that God was not there. And we've all seen this, we've all experienced this. I was a good person, but cancer came to me. I was a good person, my family member died. I did the best I could, but I still lost a job. And certainly, when Dr. King was assassinated, there must have been a belief that that bullet killed his dream, that it was over but herein lies God's grace. Less than 50 years after Dr. King's death, we have an African-American president and we have a a Dr. King monument in Washington, D.C. Certainly in our lifetime, we see the arc of the moral universe. So let us use Dr. King as an example, as a model to follow and to love boldly and to love radically. And here's where most of us will say, But Chris, I'm not a great order. I can't speak. Life is just too busy. Dr. King is special. I'm not special. I can't do this because of fill in the blank. But that's not what the Bible says. That's not what the Bible tells us to do. All we have to do is try. Just encourage someone. Just love someone. Just help someone. Sometimes it's about the little things in life that helps someone move along. You don't know how important a hello is to someone. You don't know how important it is to that person and what they're going through. And here's where I come in. And here's where I may go off my script, um, because, although that's a little dangerous, but (laughs) my life is filled with a radical love and I am here because of that love. And so, Mommy, now I'm going to testify. 25 years ago, my father passed away. And I was with him, and we were working. He had a business. And he was 42, and he just left. And I was 18 years old. And I did not know what life would hold for me. And um, my grandmother said to me, Christopher, this is not our home, we are just passing through. What are you going to do with your life? Couldn't understand it grandma, understand it more now. But when I was 18, I went to Pace University, in an opportunity program. I was doing better in school, but I didn't know where I would go. And so many people showed kindness to me. My professors, they helped me. They sat down with me. They took me out to lunch and they believed in me. That was a radical love. They didn't owe me anything. And Carl Morenti, my mentor, used to hug me and say, I love you, Chris. I love you. Didn't know him before that time, but he loved me. And my Jewish mother, I like to call her, Miss Terry Rosenbaum, who was my grief counselor after my father died. And I still know her 25 years later. And she just, she said, you're special, Chris. I believe in you Chris and she pushed me and she loved me and she didn't owe me anything to do that but it was that love that kept on pushing me and then to Harvard Law School and that was a big jump and a big change and it was the first time I was away from home and there was a woman who used to work in a cafeteria in the morning and I don't even remember her name but one day we were talking and she said, you know, what's your name? I said, my name is Christopher. And I kid you not, for my three years, every time I walked to get my breakfast, you would have thought the king walked in. Christopher, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm okay. See you on this- Christopher, how are you? I said, okay, I'm doing all right. Okay, and it was that love that pushed me. It was it a was feeling of the connection and in the private sector and the law firms. And Mr. Macy Russell is in our audience today, who's been my mentor for how long now, 15 years? When I thought, do I even want to be a lawyer? Someone told me, you should go see someone named Macy. And I did. And Macy sat down and he talked to me, a perfect stranger, for an hour and he encouraged me and he taught me and he brought me with him and we still have a relationship to, to, to this day and I thank you. He showed me a love that I, was, I thought I was a perfect stranger but that was wonderful and I'm happy that you're here and I'm happy that I can tell you that and I think I experienced even more of a love over the last six years, which have been very challenging for me. Um, probably, gosh, it's been so long. 2009, had my three-year-old Ava. Yeah, there she goes, my one-year-old Aiden and my one-month-old Amanda and um, my beautiful wife, of course. and I. And I lost my job, and I was devastated. And I called up Dean Hill. And uh, Dean Hill and I walked around the Charles, and uh, I was blown away. And Dean Hill listened, and everyone will appreciate that. With this deep voice, he said, ah, Christopher, those 30s, I tell you. But he also said, you'll get through it. And I talked to him about my grandmother and how she loved the 37th Psalm. And we talked and we laughed and we joked. And I did get through it. Dean Hill's love was a radical love. And then after losing my job and ending up in New Jersey, I had a very serious medical issue. I had blood clots in my lungs and I almost left here. And it was an experience like no other. I just was uh, having shortness of breath for a long time. And my boss, who also showed me love, kept on saying, I don't like that cough, Chris. And ultimately, I went to the hospital, and they put me in the machine to check my chest, and they pulled me out, and then they put me in, and they said, "Miss Edwards, I think we'll be holding you for a little while, and, and they did. But I'm not going to talk about that story because it happened. But my best friend, Mihiri said something to me when I was in the hospital. He said, you know, Chris, I think God is slowing you down. I think God is trying to tell you something. And I think you should listen. I think you should wait. And I've known Meharry 35 years, and we don't usually have those types of conversations. He called me every night to see how I was doing. He worked where I worked, so he would stop by. But I always thought about that. And when I finally got back to work, one of my colleagues uh, whose daughter was, had cancer and was in the throes of passing away said to me, I heard about what happened to you, Chris. I've been praying for you. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's a radical love. And even more recently, I was in an elevator I think it was in the fall going to work. I had worked seven weekends in a row, and I was like, oh my goodness, I haven't seen my kids, I haven't seen my wife, and it's just so busy. And in walks this African American lady on, on the elevator at 7 a.m. in the morning, and she says, How are you doing today? I said, You know, not good. It was a moment of honesty. And I told her, I'm not doing that well. I'm working hard. I don't know what's going on. I miss Boston. I don't even know what's going on here. I, I don't. And she said to me, what's your name? I said, you know, my name is Christopher. And she said, good. I just needed your name because I want to make my prayer specific. And when I go back to my office, I'm going to pray for you. I never met this lady before. I actually have not seen her since. But what love from a stranger? The love is real. And I believe where the love is, so is God. In fact, love is just a manifest- manifestation of God. And when I was younger, I read many philosophers who would say, God is dead, God is absent, especially in the face of evil. But I realized God's not absent. He, he just shows up in other people. The grace is real and now just a little, little bit more about myself and I'm really going to go off script for this one. May have been a couple of months ago or maybe a year ago. I decided one day I wanted to start going to the men's group at my church. I felt like I just wanted to get engaged. I wanted to I wanted to experience my community, and at the first men's group I went to, we read the 37th Psalm, which was my grandmother's favorite psalm. So she always talked about it. And we read it, and they turned to me and said, What do you think about it? I said, I started reciting what my grandmother said, and I I was blown away and I, I thought, wow, this is interesting. Maybe Mihiri's right. Maybe, maybe there's something going on here. And I remember calling my mother and saying, you know, mom, this is incredible. Like grandma's sermon. I mean, grandma's favorite song. They're reading it. How, how is it possible? And my mother said, Chris, I believe God is touching you. And... He has. When I look back and I said this to my wife this morning, when I think about all of the stress and all of the strife and all of the things that I went through, when I thought, wow, I must be Job and I don't think the story is gonna end with God coming and telling me why all these bad things happened to me. To be honest, I realize that it was all happening for a purpose, and that love was just pushing me to the purpose so that God could come into my heart. And I think that that is a beautiful thing. And I started off with Paul, and I think Paul said it best. So I like to end with Paul and my favorite favorite verse from Corinthians. If I speak in the tongues of mortals and of angels, but do not have love, I am a noisy gong of a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give away all my possessions, and if I hand over my body so that I may boast, but I do not have love, I have nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things. It believes all things. It hopes all things. It endures all things. Love never ends. But as for prophecies, But when when we will see face to face, now I know only in part. Then I will know fully, even as I have been fully known. And now there is faith, there is hope, and there is love. But among all these three, the greatest of all is love. I'd say a radical love. Thank you, Grandma. Amen.
7: seated. Come, ye thankful people, come. Come, ye disconsolate. Come, let us adore him. The words of these familiar hymns serve as our invitation to prayer. You are welcome to stand, remain seated, or come forward to kneel at the altar where Now let us sing together hymn 473, Lead Me, Lord. our refuge God the giver of every good and perfect gift bread of life and light of the world we give you thanks the dimensions of your love faithfulness righteousness and justice are beyond our comprehension Almighty God we give you our thanks and praise for we know that we are blessed Lord our maker In your wisdom, you created a world of diversity. Abide with us so that we are able to recognize that each of us, no matter how different, is a product of your creation. Guide us to accept and embrace each other, regardless of economic status, political affiliation, race, gender, or sexual orientation. Help us to concentrate on how our differences complement each other rather than how they divide us. Instead of proudly comparing ourselves to others, help us to recognize that we also have different gifts given to us according to your grace. Transform us so that we will freely volunteer to use our different perspectives and gifts to strengthen this church community and honor you through teaching, preaching, serving, leading, encouraging, giving, and forgiving. Abide with us, Holy Spirit, so that we remember that, through, that though we have a variety of gifts, we are united in one body, one spirit, one hope, one faith, one Lord, one baptism, and one God. We confess our sins, gracious God, grant us forgiveness and restore our hearts so that we forgive those who have sinned against us. Lord, our strength and fortress, we pray for the homeless, the unemployed, and the underemployed. Comfort the sick and those with broken lives and broken hearts. Take the worry from all our minds, merciful God. When we fear what lies ahead, help us to remember Remember that you are our companion through the difficult times and that you have promised us great blessings. Help us to keep our mind focused on you, to wait for you Lord, for you alone are our help and shield. Lord, you taught us to pray and told us to ask, to seek, to knock, to pray persistently so that we will hear and recognize your voice when you answer. We pray these things in the name of your greatest gift, your beloved Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray them together as we pray together as he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against you. And this is not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever.
6: peace of the Lord be always with you. We welcome you once again here to the nave of Marsh Chapel and invite you to participate in our ritual of friendship by putting your name and contact information in the red books found along the center aisle of each pew, passing that book along to your neighbor so that we can get to know you better and help you get to know one another better throughout the coming week. As we celebrate the life and legacy of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. here this morning, our celebration continues tomorrow on uh, the holiday uh, in commemoration of him, with a community rally for peace on Marsh Plaza at 1 p.m., followed by a convocation in Metcalf Hall at the GSU. Our keynote speaker tomorrow afternoon will be Poet Laureate Juan Felipe Herrera. Classes begin on Tuesday, and we welcome our students back. We note that our international fellowship will begin on Tuesday evening at 6 p.m. Also note that on Thursday evening at 6 p.m. here in the nave of Marsh Chapel, the Marsh Chapel choir will be holding auditions for anyone who would like to join. As the ushers wait upon us for the morning offering, we invite you to meditate on Rene Clausen's setting of the Song of Solomon text, Set Me as a Seal. Now walk in love as Christ loves us, an offering and sacrifice to God.
0: work before us, for the life within us, for the fellowship among us, for thy radicalized love that surrounds us, we give thee thanks, O Lord. Bless these gifts and the givers, we pray in Christ. Amen.